This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, this is Sonal. You're listening to the Offscript podcast. On the episode today, coming up, we have FC, an ethical hacker, all about what it's really like in the subculture. Does he wear hoodies and work in a basement? We'll find out shortly. The Offscript podcast. Hackers. What do you know about hackers? I what do you know, think about hackers? You know, what do I think? Mm. I, I wish I had even one percent of their capabilities. So no, I, I like the notion. Sat at a computer, able to type really quickly, right. first and foremost, as yeah. opposed to my one-digit typing. And yeah, just be able to do some gnarly stuff. Gnarly stuff. You know what I mean, though? <laughs> you're, you're, I'm thinking more point break as you say gnarly. Yeah, it kind of is that. It's a weird word for me. But, you know, getting to the mainframe, whatever yeah. that is, yeah. <laughs> and start causing havoc. I want to I be able to do that. I don't think the hacker fashion would suit you, though. Absolutely not. Can yeah. you imagine me? Yeah. In no. a basement with a hoodie on and just... I quite like my hoodies. Yeah. In a basement, not so much. Well, all I know about hackers really is from the movies. And producer Raj just worked his magic here to give us a little mishmash. Welcome to our show. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. Those late night hacks. Hackers penetrate and ravage delicate, private, and publicly owned computer systems, infecting them with viruses. The best crackers in the world can do this in 60 minutes. I need someone who can do it in 60 seconds. You're kidding. Right now. Go. Evil Corp. A conglomerate of evil. And now I have to help them. Oh, hi. Tyrell Wellick, Senior Vice President of Technology. Elliot, just a tech. Little clip there of John Travolta, Swordfish. Yeah. Swordfish right was there. in there, absolutely. You heard a little Mr. Robot there, Rami Malik. Yes, I've not seen that movie. It's a uh, series, actually. It is a series. Yeah, Mr. Robot is a hacker series. Of course, Swordfish was in there. The oh. movie Hackers, remember with Angelina Jolie? I do. And her first husband, what was his name? Johnny Lee Miller. That one. Yeah, I, I used film. to love that movie back in the day. Fantastic. When I was a young teen. I remember there is a famous scene in Swordfish with Halle Berry. She was yes. paid one million, I think it was. Really? For a particular scene. If you've seen it, you will know the scene that I'm talking about. Of course, Hugh Jackman stars in Swordfish. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, get on it. Yeah. So there's a lot of hacker movies out there. And today I caught up with a guy who's known as Freaky Clown, which is his hacker alias, he says, from his teen years. But his real name is actually FC. He said his parents were unconventional. And when I say his real name, I mean, in his passport, it says FC. As in football club. Well, I did, obviously doesn't stand for football club. Of course, of course I actually didn't, he actually didn't tell me what it stands for, but just that his name is FC. Wow. And he is an ethical hacker. So this is quite different from the kind of hackers we were hearing about in the movies. He's the co-founder of a firm called Sygenta as well. He's been in Dubai to participate in Intersec, which is a security conference that's ongoing at the moment. And he has always been, in this case, I think sometimes you hear about illegal hackers turned good, mm-hmm. you know, as part of getting out of perhaps jail sentences or, or that kind of thing. He, and in this case, he's always been a white hat or an ethical hacker. He's never broken the law. He's not one of those turned hackers that you hear about. And he said that most people actually aren't breaking the law. This isn't, you know, the norm. Um, So I asked him how he got started with hacking in the first place. And also, if there's any truth to the cliche uh, (laughs) that we mentioned a little moment ago, the teen wearing the hoodie in his parents' basement. So yeah, that, that is very true. I mean, it's a cliche for a reason, right? So when I was a kid messing around with computers, you know, I I came from an incredibly poor family. 
we didn't really have very much. It was always cold, so I did wear a hoodie a lot. You know, I still wear a hoodie. Even today in Dubai, I'm, I was wearing a hoodie this morning. Um, so, yeah, cliches are there for a reason. Um, I do my best to break those cliches where I can because it can be a barrier to certain fields or to certain seniority of people. Um, so getting into being a hacker was basically, I grew up with very little around me. Computers were my only outlet. You know, we lived in the middle of nowhere, no friends, just computers. Um, so that was pre World Wide web. So, you know, I remember when I saw the first hyperlink that was invented being used, you know, that was crazy to me. So getting into hacking, it was more the other way around. It's like I was in hacking before it became an industry. No friends. <laughs> I'll be your buddy, FC. I saw your heart break there. He's okay. I mean, Rob, He's doing really well for himself, right? I'm surprised you didn't become a hacker because then you have many friends when you were growing up. <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't smart enough to be a hacker. <laughs> you know that full well. Oh, I, I was the would-be hacker who just didn't quite have the smarts to get into the trade, but I did enjoy the fact there was a practical reason why he wore a hoodie yeah. as a kid. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, people wear hoodies because it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not because we want to seem mysterious and aloof and kind of against the system. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of nippy outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, do you remember your childhood computer when you were a kid and your first computer that you had to mess around with? I don't know about you guys, but I remember it was in my parents' room on their desk and you do the dial-up internet. Oh, with yeah. the, you know, we all know the sound. I'm not going to try to imitate it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's a novelty, but I don't know about you, but there was the paint application mm-hmm. that all of us used, of course. Then you play around with solitaire a bit. Minecraft. Exactly. Minecraft as well. But how did he at a young age get into the back end of it and actually learn coding while we were messing around on paint and Minecraft? This is hard for people of uh, the generations of today to understand. But back then, everything came with manuals, really thick manuals of everything, because that's how they were sold. They were sold in a way that Basically, here's here's a thing, you have to learn how to use it, right? So when you turned on the, the computers that I had as a kid, you didn't get anything. There was a blank screen. You had to tell it everything. Whereas nowadays you turn it on and the, all these programs are already preloaded. You don't have to understand it at that fundamental level. And hacking is about understanding the fundamental building blocks of everything. And once you understand those fundamental building blocks, you can rearrange them in any way that you wish and manipulate them because the, the rules that underlie everything are still the same. I'm not sure if I can ask this question. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Fad's been in touch saying, if you were a hacker, what or who would you hack? Ooh. I know where I'd go. I'd go straight to the CIA slash FBI. I want to know all things who killed JFK. You just want to know the secrets. I want to know the secrets. You just want the goss. That's what you're hacking for. You're not hacking for the money, for the power. You're just hacking to get to know everybody's secrets. I want to know stuff. I want to know about UFOs, if indeed they are real. Obviously, we go there. And JFK. I want to know that kind of stuff. I think that's fair. Someone is correcting me. It's not Minecraft. It's Minesweeper. Oh, that's right. Yes. I did think to myself. (laughs) Yeah, of course. That's a new iteration. That's a new development, new invention. Minesweeper. How awesome. Nonsense. You just click random buttons. And it either would explode or it wouldn't, right? You'd get a bomb or you wouldn't. Correct. That's (laughs) what I played alongside Solitaire on the old school computer. Yeah. And, you know, growing up from that, as he was describing that, just turning on the computer in a blank screen and then figuring out what to do with it, I felt kind of wistful for that. 
You know, just thought that that would have been so cool to just have to learn it yourself and Mm. almost code it yourself as well. Like, I just find that really intriguing. And now as he's grown up into being an ethical hacker, what is that? When people say ethical hacker, it's essentially cybersecurity, isn't it? But more than that, they'll do what's called like a penetration test. Companies call them in to break into their systems and then report back on how they did it so that they can then fix the issue and secure it. So here is an example that he gave me. We were working with a a large scale bank, massive multinational bank that I'm very sure everyone uh, listening will have heard of. They had put in a smart building um, in London and we were asked to come in and test everything about that building. So not just the computer networks, but everything that was connected to the internet, including some desks. So they had a bunch of internet connected desks, which worked out who you were when you walked up to it and uh, adjusted themselves and the seats to your particular settings. Um, We were able to show that by hacking into the desks from the internet, we were able to get into the banking network itself. So essentially, they had hundreds of access points um, around their building for letting attackers into their, their banking network. They actually um, ripped out all of the internet connected desks. So uh, it was quite an expensive error to have made. Um, So that's why we are always saying um, if you're going to get involved with security, get it involved earlier. And this is actually when I asked him about what the biggest threat when it comes to cybersecurity that he's seeing right now. What Internet of Things really came up. He said, you know, we're pulling all these devices, smart fridges or smart microwaves, in my case, smart light bulbs, smart TV, right? You're pulling all of these devices that connect to the Internet into your house without any real understanding Mm. of what they're about or how they work. So he said a lot of times people will pick the generic cheaper option, not realizing that there's a reason the expensive options are more expensive. They come with updates. They come with better security. So essentially, in mass, hackers can and have taken over hundreds of thousands or even millions of these devices in the past to amplify their attacks against bigger companies like Google and Facebook. He said essentially they use them to put in lots of requests to Google, let's say, and block their service. It's called the denial of service hack and and essentially shut them down to other people. Moral of the story, just get an old fashioned fridge. You don't need one that will talk to you. You just need one that keeps the food cool or in the case of the freezer cold simple as that Sonor Rapani that's what I've taken away from this little chat so far yep. a regular freeze fridge freezer <laughs> yeah exactly Fair. you don't need to control everything no, on your phone absolutely just you open your not. curtains with your own hands <laughs> um, now we were talking a little bit about examples of what he does but I wanted to talk to him about this increasingly digitized world that we're moving towards because of course crypto has become such a buzzword hasn't it and I saw a headline over the over this weekend, North Korean hacker is said to have stolen nearly four hundred million dollars in cryptocurrency last year, uh, and it goes on to say hackers launched at least seven different attacks Oof. this year, primarily targeting investment firms and centralized exchanges with a variety of tactics, including phishing, malware, social engineering. It's a lot of the typical terms that you usually yeah. hear with hacking and um, cybersecurity in general. And essentially, they're gaining access to organizations' hot wallets, as they're called, digital wallets that are connected to the internet, and then from there managed to move the funds into their accounts. So I appreciate that this was quite a broad question, but I wanted to get a sense from FC about how this happens. How secure is it really to invest in crypto? Well, it really does depend on where you're storing it, right? So I can have a lot of money under my mattress at home, and that is not as secure as being in a bank vault. So 
It's not the money that's the problem. It's not the money that's insecure. It's where you're storing it and how you're storing it. And, you know, we used to rely on massive banks to keep hold of our money, right? And it's their responsibility. Now, pretty much anyone can open up a, a crypto bank and take in as much money as they want. And they're going to get attacked because they haven't got the resources. They haven't got the financial backing or the know-how to protect that amount of money. And that's if you even find a reputable one. You, you get a lot of Bitcoin banks, basically, that you know rip people off. They just set up, they take in a load of Bitcoin, and then they, they cash out and never to be seen again. So you know, it's, it's not about Bitcoin itself or any other cryptocurrency. It's about how they're stored and where they're stored. Now, Chris, of course, you, as we've been discussing, have been getting into crypto. And I know you like to keep your money under your mattress. I do. So I wonder how you feel about this, about having it stored somewhere on your laptop or your computer. It makes complete sense. Now, I shouldn't really say this, but I am absolutely a hacker's dream. I'm terrible with passwords. I'll openly admit it. So therefore, he's got me stressed out this evening. I've only dabbled. I've not invested huge sums, just enough to get me started in the world of crypto. And I think the point is, as long as you have a reliable wallet, as long as you're storing it in the right place, then you should be better oh, off. Yeah. Now, one last question for FC. I was asking him as an ethical hacker, as a white hat hacker, do they kind of do research by infiltrating hacker forums and groups online to kind of see the enemy in a sense? What are they planning? What are some of the tactics that they're using? He says it's not really that simple. We don't get too down in the weeds like that because there's a point where you have to cross a line to get into some of these forums. You know, it's like any sort of gang, really. You have to have an initiation to go through it. You have to provide, you know, sort of breach data that you've collected and how you've done it and share it with people. So it's not always viable for us as a company to do that because we don't want to cross that line. Um, you know, there are many companies out there and there's the police forces around the world and governments that do that. So when a new vulnerability is seen in the wild, um, we had one recently over Christmas called Log4J. Um, it, a lot of the cybersecurity companies uh, such as ours, we, we spend our free time uh, trying to figure it out and work out what what it is, how it's working, what it's going to mean to our clients um, without having to go into those forums and figure out what they're doing next because we frankly don't have the time or the resources to do that as an industry. I did circle back with FC to where we started, and that was, of course, movies and about hacker movies. I asked him how he felt about them. He kind of laughed and said most hacker movies show hackers as criminals, but there is one movie that he likes because it shows kind of his side of what he does, and it's called Sneakers. I've looked it up. I hadn't heard of it before. It was back in 1992 that this film came out, but what a cast. Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, River Phoenix, Sidney Poitier as well in that. Sneakers, get on it. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 